We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Rotowire Thanksgiving NFL special show. My name is Jack Burkhart. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Burkhart. Ryan, I'm normally in the soccer streets talking Champions League or Premier League with you, so it's nice to be talking uh, NFL outside of just tilting our best ball teams in uh, DM. But uh, how are you doing this week, Ryan? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's nice to have some midweek NFL. Uh, Thursday Thanksgiving games are always fun. Nice to have something to gamble on, some some big contests. Uh, I think I told you the other day, I'm not sure I've ever made a profit on Thanksgiving. I can't really remember it going well for me. So uh, hopefully we can change that. Hopefully we can uh, break down this slate and give people some clarity. Yeah, I think we'll pick some winners. I think I've had success on Thanksgiving, though I'm not really a high-volume NFL DFS player. But I think my first year playing DFS, I got second place in uh, Pete Overzet. You should check out his content if you like fantasy sports in his listener league. So that's my crowning achievement. I'm hoping to maybe step up my game a little bit. I have an entry into this uh, single-entry red zone. Ryan, I'm hoping that you can help guide me a little bit and find a winner, or at least second place. I'll even let you win it. I will try. Uh I'm playing the red zone too. Hopefully one of us can take it down. Sounds easy. You only have to beat uh, 4,000 of our closest friends on Thanksgiving. But um, let's dig into it. We have three games in this Thanksgiving slate, and it's all a staggered start. So it's kind of fun to have a staggered start. It leaves some late swap options open. Um, so you can kind of use some game theory if you like to be a mega mind like that. But it's not many close expected matchups. All of the Vegas... Um, all the Vegas totals they have, you know, most teams as at least a touchdown favorite. So we have Detroit. I think they're minus eight. The line has moved. They're eight-point favorites at home against Green Bay. The most lopsided matchup we have is Dallas hosting Washington. Dallas were 11-point favorites last time I checked. And then that game is the highest implied total of the game, I think, at 48-and-a-half. And then the lowest implied total of the slate is the last game where we have Seattle hosting San Francisco. San Francisco are touchdown favorites in that. Ryan, what are your first impressions of these matchups, and what are your views when you opened up the slate? Um, yeah, my views when I opened up the slate was that the pricing was a little bit soft overall. I feel like DraftKings likes to do that on these type of slates, the holiday slates, encourage more people to play, make it easier to make good lineups. Um, the second thing that stood out in Dallas specifically Dallas was a little bit too cheap and basically at every position you accept running back, you have a Cowboys player that's projecting the best. Um, you know, it makes sense. Dak has been QB one since week six. Uh, that offense has really turned a corner. This matchup is about as good of good as it gets. I mean, we just saw Tommy DeVito light the commanders up for three touchdown passes and, yeah, so it's a you know it's a really good matchup for the Cowboys, and they're going to be really popular. Um, I guess the other thing that stood out is, I guess we, we have three studs if you want to call them that: McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, 
it doesn't really seem like you can play all three of them. I mean, you can, but you have to make quite a few sacrifices, and it seems like that route would have a tough time being optimal for tournaments. So you're probably going to have to fade one of those guys. Um, but you know, there, there, there's options. There's a lot of, there's options in every game. I don't know. Uh, I think this is an interesting slate. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I don't know. What were your first impressions? Uh, my first impression was I wasn't surprised by softer pricing. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I think is 8,700. Dak would be 7,500 on a regular Sunday slate. So it's a little bit fun. We get to make different teams when, when uh, DraftKings does these sort of special slates. So that's fine. But I shared your opinion. Um, just a lot of cheap value to be had. And the first thing I noticed was that we had Christian McCaffrey at running back, who is too cheap at 8,700. He should probably be 1,000 more for his workload. CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ra St. Brown also have total alpha workloads. I think Amon Ra has a 30% target share or just south of that, which is absolutely dominant. I mean, that's like prime DeAndre Hopkins target share. Um, and then I think CD Lamb is catching up. Uh, his usage has been ja just absolutely insane as Dallas has been throwing the ball more the past month. So we have quarterback projections up if you're watching on YouTube. And it's no surprise given that how Washington have struggled. You know, Tommy DeVito, as you said, lit the Dallas Cowboys up. Dak is projecting best. And I've seen some resources around the, in the industry that have Dak projecting for even more. They're giving them more passing volume. So it really just seems like a really tricky spot to fade, but it's going to be so chalky in tournaments. So I don't know. What are you going to do in cash games? I yeah. want studs, but then I have to play Jordan Love at quarterback and I have to just kind of scrape gum off the bottom of bleachers. So I'm not even sure that's optimal in cash games, but we'll, um, but we'll break that down. But why don't we get into it in quarterback, Ryan? Um, I know you'll be playing cash games. Are you just going to click Dak Prescott? I think so. Yeah, you know, it's hard not to. Like you said, he he probably should be seventy five hundred. Um, there just it doesn't seem to be a big enough gap between him and the other quarterbacks. Like that, I'm not sure that that money does enough for you. I mean, you know, go down to Purdy, it saves you seven hundred. You go down to Love, saves you thirteen hundred. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I guess if you're trying to jam. Amon Ra, CD, and McCaffrey, then maybe you play Love. But, yeah, I worry about that. You know, it could be a smash spot for Dak here. Um, you know, they didn't really need to open it up against Carolina. That seemed like it would be more of a spot for Pollard based on, I don't know, a few things. So, you know, you could, I guess you could say the same about this matchup in that it could be over by halftime and, how much of a ceiling does Dak have? I tend to think at home and on Thanksgiving, they might not really mind pouring it on. Um, I don't know. We saw them do the same thing against the Giants, the divisional game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I want to play Dak. And then, you know, like part of it is, you can jump to receiver. Part of it is that I kind of like CD more than St. Brown. Um it's just like I see the clear path for the Lions is to just run the ball on Green Bay. That's what most teams have been doing to Green Bay. And that's what Dallas did in week four. Um, David Montgomery had a monster game. They, they put up 34 points. And I mean, that was actually St. Brown's uh, worst game of the season just, for, just by receiving yards. He had 56 yards in that game. Goff didn't really throw for too many yards. Uh, I think he had less than 200, uh, 210, 210. You know, not like that matters too much. It's one game. But, yeah, I just think it. the Lions could keep it on the ground and win this game comfortably. But, uh, you know, things don't always go as planned in the NFL. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I was looking I was looking at that and I had the same observation. You said that Green Bay has been vulnerable on the run. And what I observed when studying for the show is that I think the Lions want to run. I think they want to run a lot of their offense through David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. They've been getting a ton of opportunities lately, and they just haven't been throwing much if they don't have to. Um, Lions throw much less than many other teams on this slate. So that combined factor, right? I think Amon Ross St. Brown is 200 cheaper. He might have a slightly better target share, but the implied total is a little bit lower, and you just were more confident 
based on the past month that Dallas will want to throw the ball more. So all these sort you know, if you just look at them in a vacuum, maybe you want Amon Ra because he's got a slightly better target share. But if you look at the game environment factors, I do think they start to creep up and it really fades CD. Um, I think CD just has a better floor and ceiling combination in this slate. So yeah, because of that, you know, it makes Amon Ra a luxury and there are cheap wide receivers that you can play as well. And there's a few cheap running backs as well. So if there's value at the position, why are we jamming two studs? That's a question I often, it's a heuristic I often use, and I think it works, at least it works in soccer, hopefully it works in NFL as well. So I, I think I share the same view. So there's really no need to go down to Jordan Love. I mean, I think you just play Dak Prescott in cash games, and uh, I think you'll be following the field and then just win the rest in the rest of your lineup spots. But um, yeah, I think it, sorry, no, I just, I think it's, he's going to be, he's going to be by far the most popular. So I think for cash games, it's pretty simple decision. Uh, tournaments, you know, I think probably most people will agree with how you and I broke down, uh, you know, Dallas versus Detroit. And, you know, so tournaments, Dak's going to be very popular. Mm-hmm. All of the Cowboys are. So you know, there's probably an argument for doing something different there. But I think, yeah, in cash games, just keep it simple, play Dak and move on. Yeah, I think so. Maybe we can talk a little bit about tournaments then. I was thinking about, you know, what I want to throw into the red zone. I don't think I want to play Dak Prescott just because I'm a glutton for, you know, fading chalk. It's uh, it's what I like to do. And, you know, when I, I'll complain in the Discord when Dak drops 35 on us. But I think the two options that seem most appealing to me in tournaments, you have Brock Purdy in this evening spot at 6,100. I like Brock Purdy because Christian McCaffrey can get there on a receiving touchdown, which can take Purdy up. And then I think his receivers will carry lower roster ship, right? Who's going to play Brandon Ayuk at 7,000? But Brandon Ayuk, even with Debo and Kittle on the field, has been commanding a big target share just south of 25%. So I think Ayuk could be a huge... uh, low ownership play in this type of spot. So that makes Brock Purdy appealing. Maybe do something like a Brock Purdy CMC and then pick one of Kittle or Ayuk. Something like that seems really appealing to me. It's a game where San Francisco, I think, can play quite well. And I can see a stack like that working out in my favor. And I also am interested in Jordan Love just because he's so cheap and there's so many cheap Packers options. If you want to jam some higher price players, uh, maybe use Jameer Gibbs, someone like that as a bring back. I think using the Packers and hoping that game shoots out early, you can get a lot of useful pieces in your lineup and afford some premium options as well. That's what I'm thinking from tournaments. Do you have any other thoughts or any thoughts on my thoughts? Uh, yeah, you know, it reminds me of the soccer podcast a little when I just have to agree with everything Jordan says. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really have too much to add. Those are the two guys I was looking at, Purdy and Love. Basically, for the same reasons, Ayuk, for one, Ayuk has leverage. Ayuk leads the league in yards per reception. Um, clearly, at this point, I think he's the one with the uh, the ceiling, and you can see that he's 1,100 more than Debo now. I think it makes sense, though, and I think you know all those guys cheaper than Ayuk are going to be more popular than him, so I do like him for leverage. Kittle, I think Kittle's worth mentioning because he's going to be the least popular of like all the starting tight ends. Um, It's tough to get to him at 6K, but he's been crushing 22, at least 22 fantasy points in three straight games, eight catches, nine catches, touchdowns. And, you know, no one's going to play him. So, you know, I kind of like Kittle for leverage. And then, yeah, Jordan Love, I think he's coming off his best two games, uh, maybe of his career. Uh, I've been pretty down on Jordan Love, but he's looked better recently. And yeah, he has some of the best value as far as his pass catchers go. Some of the best value is in the Green Bay pass catchers because not only are they cheap, but Aaron Jones is going to be out. You know, they're probably going to be playing from behind. I'm going to want at least one Packer probably in all my lineups from what, you know, maybe even two, you can play two with Jordan Love. You know, we might get, we got Christian Watson, who's all the way down to 4,300, which is crazy. He's been one of the most biggest disappointments in fantasy. Uh, but 4,300, I think we can take a shot on him there. Jaden Reed's the same price. And we might get $2,500 Tucker Craft. We'll have to wait on the news about Musgrave, but Musgrave was in the hospital 
until yesterday. Apparently, there's still a chance he could play. I don't know. We haven't really heard too much, but uh, Tucker Craft is a guy I'm kind of interested in. He's not just a $2,500 backup tight end. He's actually a third round. Packers took him in the third round this year. Uh, he made a phenomenal catch on Sunday against the Chargers. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, 2500 that's some nice salary relief at tight end if we get that. But, uh, yeah, back to your point for tournaments, I think Purdy and Love are are the way to go to get different. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a little thin. I think the line for Goff to throw a lot. So I think um, that has me less interested in Goff. But again, maybe people share our view and it's just a very giga contrarian option in larger field tournaments. Like there's going to be a lot of overlap in huge tournaments, only three teams. So there is some merit just to going completely off the board. And I mean, Sam Howell might throw 50 times in this matchup. I mean, he might throw four interceptions as well, but he is always an option. Although at 6,200, that is... It's disgusting. I yeah. really can't even talk myself into like a so bad it's good thesis around that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough for me to get behind Howell too, uh, but he, you know his game logs would say otherwise. You know, you know everyone talks about how much Washington have been throwing. You know, even if they're getting if they're getting crushed, might you know doesn't even really matter. They're just going to keep throwing. But yeah, like I have a hard time getting there. I think the point you made about Goff that. He might get squeezed pretty good. No one's going to play golf in that passing game, but he could run efficiently, you know, throw three touchdowns. Yeah, you know, it, it could happen. So, yeah, I, from a leverage point of view, it makes sense. I'm not sure that I'll get there. I'm only playing about, I think I'm playing 10, 10 lineups tomorrow. So, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get there, but it does make sense. Yeah, the thesis behind a Jared Goff getting there, it's not outrageous. You're just making a bet that Dak Prescott fails. And then you need, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking if Brock Purdy, Howell, Love, and Geno Smith all just don't light up the scoreboard. I mean, it's not that crazy a thesis, and it's a good spot for Detroit. Um, it's just a like a little point. bit too yeah, expensive. You don't really need that much to happen. Yeah, on these smaller slates, you only need a couple guys to fail. So, yeah. So yeah, we'll see what roster ship percentages look like, and you can see if uh, that risk reward is worthwhile. So before we get into running back, we want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Circa. So get ready for the ultimate big game parties at Circa Resort and Casino. Super Sunday is in Las Vegas this year. Watch the big game poolside at Stadium Swim's big game viewing party. Massive screen booming game sound and a view of the pyrotechnic and visual effects throughout the game. Snake the best seat in the sun with daybeds, poolside boxes, cabanas, and more. Or touchdown at the world's largest sportsbook, Circus Sports, for the big game bash. Three stories of football glory featuring a 78 million pixel screen. Book your seat with a variety of reservation options, including bottle service, open bar, stadium-style food, and more. Don't miss these legendary viewing experiences on February 11th. The big game parties only at Circa Resort and Casino. Reserve today at CircaLasVegas.com. Ryan, have you seen pictures of that pool out there that they have at Circa on Twitter? It just looks it looks outrageously pleasant, and I'm cold already. Yeah. I could use that warmth in my life. Yeah, I have. Uh, actually, our, our, our friend our friend Art Chichi one was there a month or so ago and sent us some pictures as he was, I think, sweating college football there. Yeah, it seemed crazy screen. It seemed like a good time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Art Chichi one, he lives a tough life. Anyway, let's get into the running backs. So moving to the running back tab. And the first thing you'll notice is that Christian McCaffrey, 8,700. He's just too cheap in this spot. And I mean, I was looking at all his workload. He dominates red zone opportunities. I think around 60% of red zone opportunities. He carries an 18% target share. He gets most of the carries. It's just an outrageous workload. And I think that makes him a lock on his own right in cash games. He can just completely lap the field. I have a really tough time even conceptualizing fading him in tournaments because even in scripts where you think, well, how does McCaffrey fail? Like it's like 20 points almost <laughs> you're betting against him to get a touchdown. And I think he had like 18 straight weeks with a touchdown before recently. So it, it's such a good spot. So we can just start with there before talking about the other options. But I mean, Ryan, what's your perspective on Christian McCaffrey and cash games in tournaments? Yeah. No brainer for cash games. That's for sure. Like you said, uh, he's too cheap for one. You know, we're used to him at 
9,200, 9,500 even. Uh, so... He got a price cut for no reason. Um, scores at twenty points at least in every in every game. Uh, you know, twenty six touches last week against Tampa. Even though, you know, they really didn't. You know, they Kyle Shanahan has no issue with just using McCaffrey a ton. Uh, so there's no reason to expect that that wouldn't continue. Um, pretty good matchup against Seattle. Yeah, I just. I, you don't think about it too much for cash games for tournaments. Like you said, yeah, it seems tough because he, you know, if he's guaranteed 20 points or whatever, but you know, there's other running backs, two other running backs on the slate could score 20 points. And then that's when you can fade McCaffrey, especially if you want to spend up for multiple receivers or spend up at tight end. I mean, you know, if you get 15 points out of Charbonnet and, you know, either Pollard or Gibbs equals McCaffrey. Like, yeah, there, there are routes to fading him in tournaments, I think. I'm considering it just because he's going to be the most popular. So it already makes sense from from that standpoint. You know, on the other hand, I would understand if you just locked him in tournaments as well. I can, you know, uh, as always with these decisions on the chalky options who are clearly the best options, I mean, you can jam them or you can fade them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, it, you know, I can't really say much more than that, I guess. Well, I mean, it's a lesson in lineups, not players, right? Like if you want to make lineups with Christian McCaffrey, there's ways to make lineups with Christian McCaffrey. You have to be aware that he's going to come in tournaments with insane roster ship. So you're just going to have to make sure that you have enough leverage depending on the size of the tournament. Or you can fade him and then just make a good lineup around that. And if you fade Christian McCaffrey, there are a few running backs who are capable of keeping pace because they're, I think there are other underpriced running backs. I mean, most of the running backs that are options seem a little too cheap in this spot. There's not a ton of running back plays. There's seven that I'm considering overall, which kind of feels small, but maybe that's roughly normal. But they're all quite good. So you have Tony Pollard, the eternally frustrating Tony Pollard who is 6,700. The peripherals on Tony Pollard's workload are still good. The results just haven't been there. He hasn't looked as explosive. I remember really early in the season, he got run down um, on a breakaway run that you feel like he would have gotten last year, but he still sees a good workload in the red zone. He's still their two-go guy there. I mean, it's frustrating that Rico Dowdle has taken some of those touchdowns away, but at 6,700 in a matchup where Dallas could score, you know, 30, 40 points, that's, and he still does have the primary workload. And Rico Dowdle is on the injury report. I think he's a, did not practice for the last two weeks. It's got to be a great spot for Pollard. And I think sometimes you just have to click and deal with the tilt. I mean, you know, the process, the process, the process. And then, um, Ryan, I was wondering your thoughts on Jameer Gibbs as well. It seems like his workload has been trending upwards in both a rushing and a pass-catching point of view and in the red zone. So what do you think about Pollard and Gibbs? Yeah, I think it's the toughest decision on the slate, actually, which running back to choose between Pollard and Gibbs. I think you broke it down pretty well. I think Pollard probably has more touchdown equity. Uh, You mentioned his role in the red zone, and although Gibbs has been more active in the red zone lately, he's always going to have Montgomery there. So you feel like Pollard's a little more likely to score. Um, However... You're you're talking about Pollard and his explosiveness. Um, Jameer Gibbs has been the opposite. These are like, you're just watching these two guys. Jameer Gibbs has looked incredibly explosive and completely passes the eye test where Pollard has sort of done the opposite. Um, You know, they're projected very closely. I think it seems like Pollard is going to be a little more popular so I would probably just do that in cash games. But, you know, without factoring ownership, I think I like Gibbs. You know, just going back to how we started the podcast uh, and, and talking about the line, you know, this being a spot for the running game for the Lions and maybe a spot for the passing. I mean, it's a spot for the entire Cowboys offense. But mm-hmm. um, just with how I'm seeing the games going, yeah, I don't know. I, it's tough for me to click Pollard after 
after how bad he's been, but he's too cheap. It's a great matchup. I don't know. Again, like I, I, it's the toughest decision for me. I'd probably just go with Pollard in cash games. I don't know. What do you think? I think you have to just be, uh, you know, the process, the process and play Tony Pollard in the spot. I mean, if you're playing cash games, you can play Dak Pollard, CD, and then Jake Ferguson, and you're going to get, you know, 75% of the touchdowns. I just made that number up. That's not scientific, but you could view it as a way of, you know, maybe it's a bit cowardly, but you're not going to get anything wrong necessarily. But, uh, you know, Q Brandon Cooks catching three touchdowns after I say that remark. But I think from that point of view, it's one of the best spots. And then also there's, um, you could consider late swap if you want, if you want to be a mega mind. Jameer Gibbs is up first. So if Jameer Gibbs absolutely pops off, and he's, you know, pretty high owned in your head-to-heads and double ups, you'll be able to maybe make some moves based on that. So if it's a really, really close decision, I think you can just take the later player. And then while all your family's, you know, trying to eat and pray for Thanksgiving, you can be making your late swaps and staring at your phone like a real family man. But um, I think that might be sound advice. I don't know, Ryan, what do you think about using late swap as a tiebreaker? Yeah. Um, I like using late swap on these slates, uh, both for cash games and tournaments. Um, not enough people do it. And like you said, if you fade a guy that's a little bit chalkier and he smashes, yeah, you definitely swap. You give yourself almost a second chance to to cash. Yeah, so I think that's worth considering there. All right, so that's um, yeah. Deal. No, sorry, sorry. Um, not that it really matters. I was just looking into Rico Dowdle and what's going on. I see he didn't practice. I don't. I guess we don't have more than that. The same thing happened on Saturday. We were kind of nervous that he wasn't going to play after the walkthrough. He popped up as questionable with that ankle injury, but he did have ten touches against Carolina. Sixteen touches for Pollard, ten for Dowdle. I I know most of Rico's came in the fourth quarter. I believe when that game was uh, already decided, but this game against Washington will probably be already decided in the fourth quarter as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Just it's not like Pollard is like the bell cow and Gibbs is splitting work. You know, I don't think it's that clear cut. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. And uh, ooh, I'm definitely monitor the Rico without situation. Um, I guess looking at other cheaper options, so well, David Montgomery is 6,300, but his uh, passing game role has diminished. So with a $500 difference, I mean, you can consider that as a leverage play in tournaments. But I think from a cash game point of view, you have to find the 500 to play Gibbs in that sort of spot. Um, and then there's three interesting options that are below 6K, and it's just some options that have popped up due to injuries in the backfield. So I think Zach Charbonnet is prime for a big workload for Seattle. He had already been getting a lot of snaps when Ken Walker was healthy, but Ken Walker hasn't practiced all week. I think Pete Carroll said it was a pretty concerning injury and Pete Carroll always lies about injuries. So you can assume that it's a pretty serious one and that he won't play, but he seems like a great option, even against the fantastic 49ers defense at 5,300. He just makes a lot of stuff work. We're going to be waiting on um, Aaron Jones injury information, but he hasn't practiced on Monday and Tuesday. That puts AJ Dillon in a good spot. And he does catch passes when, I mean, it's not like he's particularly good at it, but he does catch balls when he's on the field and Aaron Jones isn't there. So at 5,400, that's a nice workload that you're buying. And then I'm not interested in Brian Robinson unless Antonio Gibson is out. Gibson has had two limited practices, but I noticed that all of Gibson's uh, passing workload went to Brian Robinson and at 5,900, that is pretty tempting as well if you think Washington can keep up. That's a lot of talking for me, Ryan. What do you think about these cheaper running back options? I think you broke it down well. Um, just to start with the commanders. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't have, I would not have interest in Brian Robinson if Gibson plays. I would probably have a little bit of interest in Gibson for tournaments just because he allows you to get different. And I think most people won't go cheaper than Dylan or Charbonnet. So, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I don't mind going to Gibson just because he'll catch passes. They'll be playing from behind. He could sort of fall into 15 points. 
Um, but these other guys, yeah, I think Montgomery, one of the best tournament plays on the slate, going to be way less popular than Pollard and Gibbs and less popular than Charbonnet and, I don't know, maybe even Dylan. Uh, but Montgomery had the best game of maybe his career against the Packers in week four, 32 carries for 121 yards and three TDs. Um, yeah, his passing game role has diminished a little, but he has upside in this spot for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and you know that would break the slate, uh, especially if no one's going to play him. I think that's a pretty good tournament play. It seems like Aaron Jones is out. He's listed as doubtful. Um, it's, I don't know, well, Kenneth Walker, you never know with these Seahawks. Kenneth Walker is questionable, you know. I feel like we've seen so many times over the years Lockett and DK Metcalf as questionable, <laughs> and they always play. They, like, always play. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You never know with Pete Carroll. But, yeah, it seems like it seems like Charbonnet is going to start. So that's what we're planning on. I think Charbonnet is probably a better option than A.J. Dillon. Maybe I have a little bias as a Packer fan with A.J. <laughs> Dillon as he's been pretty bad over the years. Um, we've seen him fail in this spot with Aaron Jones out many times. I do, though, you know, like you said, he does catch passes, even though he's not necessarily a good receiving back. Um, and we've seen games at Ford Field shoot out plenty of times. Uh, We've seen teams put up plenty of points against the Lions recently. The Bears just did it. A couple weeks ago, the Ravens went nuts on them. Uh, so their, their defense their defense can struggle at times. So, yeah, I mean, Dylan's a fine play, too. I think in tournaments, I think he would be, you know, like maybe half, half as popular as Charbonnet, maybe even more. You know, maybe, maybe get Charbonnet three times more popular. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but he'll be more popular. Um, so I think Dylan is okay for tournaments. I think you could go to Charbonnet in cash games if you wanted to. You could play him in, in the flex for sure. That seems like a pretty good option. It's a tough matchup for Seattle, but 5,300 at home, getting all the work. He's shown he's shown to be plenty capable in the passing game too. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about Charbonnet for 5,300. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, kind of have a lot of decent running backs to choose from since it's only a three-game slate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's easier to just – sometimes you get these slates where, you know, those three good options and one guy's like a lock. I don't think we have that here. So, I don't know. It makes it interesting for tournaments. Yeah, for a three-gamer, it's a pretty robust selection. Um. If I could opine a little bit about, you know, potentially um, chalky Zach Charbonnet, I know he got most of the workload after Ken Walker went out, but sometimes the usage that happens after an injury is not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in the next week. And I know Seattle really often does, you know, use multiple running backs and they want to do that. So if you look at Zach Charbonnet, you're like, oh, he's just going to take all of Ken Walker's workload. I don't really necessarily buy that. Maybe he'll get, there's a, in the range of outcomes, he could only get a slight increase in workload. And then you're screaming at your television at night when you see DJ Dallas catching all of the third down balls now. And Zach Charbonnet is taking sort of the lower value touches. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's something that I'm going to be mindful of when constructing tournament lineups. Whereas when I look at AJ Dillon, you can also call me a Packer homer. I'm rocking an AJ Hawk jersey right now. Um, I mean, who's going to obstruct Dillon's usage in the backfield if Aaron Jones is out? Because Emmanuel Wilson, who has been getting some touches, he also has two uh, DNPs. So if you look at the injury report and it's going to be A.J. Dillon and two guys you've never heard of before and you have to Google where they went to college, I feel a lot better about A.J. Dillon's workload. I feel a lot better about the matchup against Detroit as far as potential for points and potential for the Packers to keep up. Zach Charbonnet is going against San Francisco, for goodness sake. And... um, yeah, I, I think um, for tournaments, for me, I'm going to make like, what, two lineups? So I'll click, if it, if it comes to that decision, I'll click AJ Dillon over Zach Charbonnet and not really worry about it. I just think uh, there's a lot of fragility in Zach Charbonnet. But maybe that'll be reflected yeah. in his roster ship. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a sharp take. Um, yeah, you know, you wouldn't be surprised, like, if Charbonnet steps into Walker's role and DJ Dallas becomes the third down back, you know, Charbonnet's role. Yeah, that happens all the time. People just assume that the backup is going to get all the work. I mean, we've seen it with A.J. Dillon plenty of times when he starts for Aaron Jones. But now, as you mentioned, they have other guys banged up. You know, we just saw it last week, actually, with Brian Robinson, even when when Gibson was ruled out. Um Derek Gore, is that his name? Yeah, Derek Gore got a couple carries in the first quarter, a goal line carry. Um, Christian Rodriguez, is that – I don't even know if that's yeah. his first name. He, he was in there a bunch. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a smart take. Uh, if if Charbonnet is going to be way more popular, it's kind of an easy move to, to play Dylan over him. That is a better game environment too. Yeah, it's just one thing I'm thinking about. So, you know, we'll have to monitor injury reports and, you know, roster ship projections as those get updated throughout the next 24 hours. But yeah, I, th- I think I agree. I mean, these running back roles, it does depend on the game plan. Uh, game planning changes. It's different when it, you have a week to prepare versus one of your three running backs on your roster is out and you have to start scrambling all of a sudden. Um, and shout out Christian Rodriguez. He's on all of my dynasty roster taxi squads with uh, 30 roster spots. So we hit gold, baby. We love to see it. All right. Um, Ryan, do you have anything more on running back? Or are we good for wide receiver? Yeah, no, nothing more. On... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done running back well we've already talked some about wide receiver we've talked about how awesome the dallas game environment is um for cd lamb he's 8700 he's too cheap in the spots he's just getting a ton of usage right now he's going to come with high roster ship but one of the best overall plays in the slate i think uh kind of a i agree with you that he's a better play than a monroe st brown in cash games so I prefer him, but I mean, it is a good spot for Amonra. We have, you know, the one game sample. If it's happened once, it's happened again. I know Amonra had a rough outing because um, Detroit was so successful running the ball against Green Bay in their earlier matchup. But I mean, Amonra can absolutely dominate, you know, anytime he's on the field, he could get, you know, a 12 target, 100 yard game and grab a touchdown. And he could be the one that breaks the slate. Um, And, you know, I kind of have, it's easy, you know, CeeDee Lamb hasn't busted in a while, but, you know, there are games where he kind of just gets a little bit anonymous. I mean, it's against the Washington defense. So if you're thinking about tournaments, I'm okay going with it. I just don't think that you're going to get too much of a roster ship discount on Amon Ross St. Brown versus CeeDee Lamb. So it makes me less incentivized to do that in tournament formats. Again, we'll see how those numbers update. Um, Ryan, any thoughts in tournaments for CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown? No, I think those were all good points. Like the ownership difference isn't going to be that big. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, you know, CD, he kind of busted last week, 38 yards only, um, despite the Cowboys. He did score, but yeah, despite the Cowboys scoring 33. Um, I think 
St. Brown is probably a little bit more consistent. You can think of it that way with CD having a higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, can't really, can't really say anything else. They're both great options. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if either of them outscores the other. I don't know. You know, the, the, the lions. Yeah. I don't know, Jack. They're both good options. I was going to say, you know, the lions ran pretty bad last week in terms of off through three picks. They barely had the ball. Time of possession was all in the bears favor. They, they, they like almost doubled them, doubled them up or something. And, you know, Amon Ross still gets there. He's just, he's always such a focal point of that offense. And, the Lions have a high total in the spot, similar to the Cowboys. You know, it's one of those spots that you can sort of look at as a toss-up. I choose CD because I like Dak better than Goff. I like, I think he's better. I think the passing game's better. He throws for more yards. They've been in better form. Uh, CD, CD just set an NFL record, the first player to ever have 11 catches and 150 receiving yards in three straight games. I mean, he's been amazing. So, yeah, you know, I side with CD, but they're very similar options. Yeah, I mean, there are options. There are. It's a little bit more spread out on Dallas than it is in um, in Detroit. But, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think you're just going to have to pick one, and then there's obvious, like, uh, tournaments – you know, quote unquote leverage. So like, if you don't play CD, it makes sense to play like Ferguson and Tony Pollard in your lineups. And, uh, you know, the same, the same type of situation. If you don't play a it probably makes the running backs a little bit better in larger tournaments. If you are interested in that line of thinking, but um, just thinking about cash games, those are the two options at the top. None of these mid range options are super appealing to me, maybe in tournaments, a uh, DK Metcalf is questionable, but as you said, who knows with Seattle. So just wait until the injury report comes up. He came up with a toe injury and did not practice and was not on the report on Monday. Um, that's worth monitoring because that would be a boost for Tyler Lockett and Jackson Smith and Jigba if um, if Metcalf is ruled out. But I'm not really interested in anyone between the price of 8500 and 4500 in cash games. I mean, Ryan, you can correct me if I've missed someone. But things start to become interesting once you're in the $4,500 range. You have Brandon Cooks at $4,500, maybe not in cash games, but you talk about Christian Watson at $4,300. He's been disappointing, but that's just too cheap for a guy who can catch two touchdown passes on any given day. Chemistry not very good with Jordan Love, but he just needs one chance. Um, Jaden Reed at $4,200. JSN at 4100 And then I always seem to have on every single fantasy football, best ball, dynasty roster, Curtis Samuel, who I think seems fine at 3,600. He doesn't see a lot of snaps, but he does sort of get like um, manufactured touches when he's on the field. A nice explosive uh, player. Ryan, who sticks out to you in the cheap range? Uh, Yeah, you sort of mentioned all the guys. Uh, I really like Cooks for tournaments. I, I wouldn't do it in cash games. But if you're planning on playing Dak, I think you should probably double stack Dak. I mean, you don't have to because he's rushed for a couple touchdowns lately. But I like to double stack Dak, especially on a slate like this where you probably you probably need him to put up, a, you know, close to a ceiling, 25-plus points and throw three, four touchdown passes. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, I like Cooks for tournaments. The Packers are too cheap. I don't know. Like, I've been off Christian Watson – the whole year. I don't know if I've rostered him. I don't have him in best ball. I know he was very popular, but I've just been all the way out on Jordan Love. Um, I, I'm i sort of in on Watson here just because he's all the way down to 4,300. Crazy low. And also because let's assume Aaron Jones and Musgrave are out. So it, it, that's a, another bump to Watson who is the most talented of the Packers receivers uh, just as far as ability, speed, strength, deep threat, all that stuff. So, you know, he doesn't, he has a ceiling in him for 4,300. I mean, it's very concerning that he hasn't caught more than three passes in a game all season. That is, that is crazy, you know, but what a stat. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, what a stat, right? Uh, you know, Jaden Reed looks better on the surface. 
Reed has actually been pretty impressive in his rookie season. Uh, touchdown in back-to-back weeks, 19 fantasy points in back-to-back weeks. Uh, they're handing it off to him sometimes, at least three times last week. Uh, but yeah, he just seems a little more involved than Watson. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe his floor is higher. Maybe you could say Watson's ceiling's higher, but I don't know. I think they're both very similar options and I have interest in both of them. I just think I'm expecting the Packers to be playing from behind, playing fast and passing often in the second half. And it just doesn't take much to get there for 4,300 and 4,200. Uh, I would like Smith and I like Smith and Jigba no matter what, I guess, but uh, I prefer the Packers unless Metcalf would be out. I don't think Metcalf is going to be out. I think he's fine. It's the same toe in. He just, he doesn't practice on Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, you know, he's been dealing with ribs and toe injuries or whatever all season. No, I actually have interest in Metcalf for tournaments. I think he's going to play back-to-back 90-plus yard receiving games. You know, it's been a tough season for him, but, yeah, he's their best. He's their best receiver. And no Kenneth Walker. Seahawks are going to have to be throwing, too. Home game, divisional game. Uh, Metcalf has a ceiling in this spot for me, and I don't think too many people are going to play him. So, yeah, I like Metcalf for tournaments. But, yeah, going back down, Curtis Samuel, sure. Michael Gallup, sure. You know, but, like, one of these Detroit receivers, maybe. Uh, I think I'd rather take a chance on Jamison Williams. I know that maybe Reynolds projects slightly better as the number two receiver, but you know, Jamison Williams is a first round pick. Like I just, I I feel like, you know, maybe there's nothing to this, but Detroit has, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery and St. Brown to get touches to and Laporta too. Laporta's top tight end. So like when Goff is going to go somewhere else, you know, he, He's looking deep for Williams. They're going to try to get Williams involved still. They've been running some plays for him, some screens and some deep balls. He caught, I think, a 30-some-yard touchdown last week. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd rather take a chance on Williams over Reynolds, I think. Um, But, yeah, I I think the the two Packers guys are probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, Reed is – sorry, this guy – I just saw the comment in the chat is Reed still. Yeah. Reed popped up on the injury report, but I think he's fine. Uh, just sore after the game. Yeah. Reed's fine. I think he had a full practice, but we can double check. Rotowire has an injury tool. That's really, really useful where it logs everyone's practice status. I just want to add to your point, Ryan, about the Packers receivers being good plays. Um, Dontavian Wicks has been getting snaps, but he is a do not practice the last two days. So I think he is a questionable or doubtful to play. That's an important bit of news. That's going to be an upgrade to Jaden Reed, I think. If Dontavian Wicks is out, probably an upgrade to Watson as well. You got Romeo Dobbs at 5,000. That's going to be like a lower-owned option. I mean, to boost to all of them, it might just be a concentrated three-wide receiver attack in that case. Um, and then I like the call-out of uh, Jamison Williams in tournaments over Josh Reynolds. I'm going to be looking for um, if uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think he was acquired by the Lions, if he is active, I don't think he's been active yet. I'm just not going to click the Jameson Williams button because they're both similar downfield threats to me. That might be a, a square take. But People's Jones played last week. He played last week. Okay. He did play last week. I'm, I'm going to bring up the snap counts right now. But, uh, yeah, just glad you mentioned Dobbs because he's a good tournament play. You know, everyone's going to go to Watson and Reed because they're cheaper. But – Dobbs has been the red zone guy and like clearly the red zone guy. He made another great touchdown catch last week and love is always looking for him, but I think he has four touchdowns in his last five. Yeah. Four touchdowns in his last five. Um, So I think that's a good play for tournaments. Um, Lions snap counts at receiver last week. Jamison Williams saw 40 snaps, 65%. Peoples-Jones saw three, 
three snaps. I don't know. Does he get more involved now? Maybe like, you Maybe. know, that's, a, that's a fair point to make. Um, but Williams snaps continue to trend up and I just, okay. yeah, I, I think he's fine for tournaments. All right. I appreciate the community notes. It was something I was worried about, but uh, yeah, if Jameson, if, if, if the snaps are already that askew, then I don't think he bites into the workload as much. So good call there. Um, anything else on wide receiver, Ryan? Um, I don't believe so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we got to mention the commanders. We got to mention it's the like Terry McLaurin. I think he'll be like McLaurin and Dotson are at least worth worth mentioning, especially if you're stacking up the Cowboys. I mean, I know it's tough, but the commanders have been throwing a ton. And, you know, Howell, while he may not be great and that offense might not be great, I mean, just look at the passing yards he's been throwing for. It's it's insane. Um, somebody has to get them. I know it hasn't. McLaurin's been very frustrating, but I don't know. I can, I can, I can maybe get there is what I'm saying. I don't know if I'm stacking the Cowboys. I think I can play McLaurin still. Do you have any thoughts on these Washington guys? I don't know. I've just seen some stats where a lot of the targets are going to Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. And then Logan Thomas is going to get his share. And every time I'm on red zone, I see Sam Howell launching deep balls to Diami Brown. So, um, (laughs) It's yeah. a bit frustrating that like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson can't get the workload, but the passing attempts are there. So if Varian strikes in your favor, they're too cheap. And then I don't know, either of them could score two touchdowns in this spot if um, Washington are forced to throw. So in tournaments, I think so. I don't want to play. Yeah. I don't want to play a popular Terry McLaurin though. Uh, and I don't know. I guess I didn't think he was going to be, but maybe he is on a three game slate. 5,400 does seem well, kind of appealing. So I, I don't want to play a chalky McLaurin. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's going to be a popular bring back option here. Logan Thomas. I mean, just it fits. So yeah. that's worth considering yeah. if um, Cowboys are going to be super chalky. People are going to use the bring back. So maybe you pivot to Dotson or my boy, Curtis Samuel. I don't think I would do that for tournaments though. That's a cash game option. All right. So Rotowire is proud to partner with Splash Sports for the 2023 fantasy football season. Splash Sports empowers gaming commissioners to earn by creating contests. Commissioners can set up contests, add their style, and enjoy the evolving Splash Sports platform for customized preferences. From daily to season-long contests, Splash Sports caters to various playing styles such as DFS, Pickaxe, and Traditional Survivor. And unlike traditional sportsbooks, Splash Sports pits you against friends and family, not the house. Splash goes beyond betting, a space where friends can connect, strategize, and share in the excitement of sports. Rotowire will be running weekly DFS tiers contests on Splash Sports all season. Can you beat the Rotowire experts? Visit rotowire.com slash splash to enter today. That was very much a, a she sells seashells by the seashore experience. But um, I think Adam's on Splash. He's in the Survivor contest, and he told us that Survivor's easy. You just pick the winners. And um, I guess I'm not so lucky when it comes to survivor contests. All right, let's get into the tight end position. So I think the dominant tight end, at least for cash games, is going to be a slightly underpriced Jake Ferguson. I mean, he's got a 15% target share and a high volume Dallas attack. It's the best total. He should probably be closer to Sam Laporta. So 1300 is too much of a difference in my opinion. I think he's going to be the overwhelming tight end shock in all formats. Um, but there are other reasonable options. I mean, I always like playing Logan Thomas. Um, you know, he just seems to be a guy who can get there on volume. You just need a touchdown. We talked about George Kittle. We haven't talked much about Sam Laporta. But, Ryan, what's your take on the tight end position? Yeah, I think you're right about Ferguson. Seems like he's going to be the most popular. It seems like he's a little underpriced. I think he's probably the cash game play. Is he a lock in cash games? I don't know. Not probably. I don't know. Not if we get $2,500 craft. You know, I'm not saying craft is a great option, but just with all the things going on with the Packers, if if Musgrave is out, Degara hasn't been practicing, Aaron Jones is out, 
and Kraft is at least he has some receiving chops, so I don't mind. I don't, yeah, I don't mind playing Kraft in any format actually. Like, I'm not necessarily worried about Ferguson smashing me. Um, you know, Shoemaker, the, the rookie tight end for the Cowboys, he's played thir- he played 25 snaps last week, 28 the week before, 35 percent. While Ferguson had been in the 80s for most of the year, but he played 67 percent of snaps two weeks ago and 72 percent last week. I don't know if blowouts have had anything to do with that. I don't really think so. I mean, Shoemaker caught the touchdown in the first quarter last week. Shoemaker mm-hmm. is a talented tight end who they spent a draft pick on. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's a good spot for Ferguson, but I, I can't call him a lock. Um, mentioned Kittle for Kittle for tournaments, I think, is a great play because no one's going to play him. Laporta Laporta's a fine play. You know, I don't think, I don't think I'll get to Laporta, actually. He's a fine option, but it seems like like I would rather Kittle Kittle would offer more leverage. I guess is is the best way to put it. Like Laporta might be twice as popular as Kittle. I don't think Laporta will be overwhelmingly popular, but I don't know. I guess like similar to my take that I'm just sort of off. Detroit's passing game so no Laporta but yeah he's a fine option I don't know do you have anything to say about that maybe um no I think Laporta is probably like fairly priced which is not good when everyone when so many players are underpriced in this slate he's probably the second receiving op maybe you know you have Gibbs and Amonra who dominate receiving but then Sam Laporta is going to be the guy that Jared Goff looks for it seems like a fine option. I mean, you can play him, but I'd rather just find the 800 for Kittle and make lineups around that if I make a couple. So I think that's my lean. It's like, you know, I feel like George Kittle has more slate breaker potential, you know, more run after catch ability. And so in the tournament formats where I'm going to be playing either of these guys, because I don't think either is a cash option, that makes Kittle seem appealing to me, especially if I play Purdy, like I said at the start of the show. Um, some good points on Jake Ferguson. I mean, if Luke Schoenmacher is getting more snaps, that's going to dilute his role a little bit. Seems like um, fine chalk to fade in tournaments. I mean, you know, maybe he gets like four grabs and a touchdown, 12 points. I feel like you can beat that in other ways. You know, maybe Tucker Craft accidentally falls into the end zone at 2,500. Never a bad play at $2,500 tight end who's going to see most of the snaps on DraftKings.com. Yeah, one other thing I noticed in it, I guess there is one other receiver that I might consider. I'm not sure if I'll consider him in the contests I'm playing, but if I was playing larger field contests, I'd absolutely consider it. Um, Jalen Tolbert is 3,100. Okay. He played, listen, he played 62% of the snaps two weeks ago, but he's been over 40% for four straight weeks. Um, If you look at his, his game log, He's got five targets in three straight games. I mean, the guy's 3,100. If you're going to get five targets, if he's going to get five targets, he's a good tournament play. That's a, that's really all I can say. I he don't know if he's going to get five down. targets, but if he's going to get five targets, like, yeah, I would, he's 3,100. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Somehow, if, like, an extreme studs and duds lineup is uh, going to take it down, you feel like uh, Jalen Tolbert's going to be there. But if you use someone like Jalen Tolbert instead of a Christian Watson, it's going to come with lower lower roster ship, probably, and might let you, you know, that's the difference between Brian Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, for example. So It, it, it might be a way, good. yeah, it, it might be a way to get sort of a different Dak Prescott stack that won't be chalky. Like, I mean, imagine starting Dak, CD. Tolbert, and then even Kraft. So you're playing $3,100 Tolbert and $2,500 Kraft. So you could make Dak lineups that other people won't be able to make by getting one extra stud in. Mm-hmm. You know, something to consider. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's worthwhile. Um, I don't know. I don't think tight end is particularly interesting in this slate, Ryan. I think Ferguson and Thomas are no. fine. We might have a punt that we want to be aware of and. Uh, Kittle and Laporta, go ahead if it makes sense for your lineup. That's it. Yeah. I think cash games is probably Ferguson, but if you could only afford Logan Thomas, that's fine. If you wanted to play Kraft, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to our uh, favorite uh, position to discuss uh, defense and special teams. 
Um, Dallas is projecting really good in most projection systems for whatever that's worth for defense and special teams. But I mean, Washington have been an offense to attack if you've been streaming defenses in fantasy. They concede so many sacks. Sam Howell is going to throw the ball so much that's going to leave for opportunities for interceptions. It's always, I, I think it's a great spot to attack and DraftKings doesn't really punish you as much for giving up points for So even if, you know, Washington keeps up a little bit, I think Dallas can really score quite well. 3,800, whenever I play cash games on DraftKings, I'm looking to scroll down, but um, I don't know, Dallas is projecting really well. I think they might even be a little bit popular, Ryan. Um, what's your inclination to do at defense? Are you considering spending up for the Cowboys or... You know, are you going to be fine just, uh, you know, play Washington and pray that maybe they get a couple interceptions? Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's annoying that the Cowboys aren't 4,500 because they should be. It's another misprice here. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to be the most popular defense, even in cash games, which is annoying because, like you said, we want to just scroll down and play a cheap defense. But <clears throat> a matchup is pretty much as good as it gets. Um Howell was sacked nine times by the Giants last week. And they turned it, and Washington turned it over six times. Nine sacks and six turnovers last week. I mean, Howell's on pace to break the record for most sacked quarterback, yeah, in NFL history. Um, look at the, if you look at the Cowboys defense, they've been putting up ceilings all year. Three games already with more than. 20 fantasy points, seven sacks against Carolina last week. Uh, Micah Parsons, you know, one of the front runners. I don't know, not front runners this year, reigning defensive player of the year. One of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah. I have a tough time. I want to play the Cowboys in cash, um, which is weird to say. Obviously I don't think it's a must. I mean, we saw the Cowboys in an absolute smash spot against DeVito and the giants, you know, they scored eight points five sacks and a pick. You could fade that for sure. Uh, I'm worried about fading it if they're going to be like 40, 50% owned or, or something though. Um, so yeah, I do kind of want to get to the Cowboys. I, if I was going down, I, I think I would go with Seattle over the commanders. I just, I, you know, I can't play the commanders defense. I, you know, on the road again, I, I get it. Like, yeah, they had nine sacks against DeVito that last week, but that is, that is an outlier. That is more on DeVito and the giants. Washington's defense is terrible. Seattle's defense is actually decent and they're at home and the game has a lower total. And while I know Purdy has been back to his best, we saw him struggle with turnovers in the middle of the season. Uh, so, yeah, Seattle was the cheap defense I was looking at. I like Dallas up top, Seattle down low. I don't know. You know, it's a defense. <laughs> Play whoever you want. Yeah, just pray. Uh, if I could defend the Washington Commanders defense in tournaments, we've seen Dak have some poor show performances with interceptions. So it could happen and no one's going to want to play them. So if you're not playing the Dallas Cowboys defense and they're really popular in tournaments, then you just want to play anyone else and hope, you know, Dallas has one of these eight point performances and you have the team that gets the pick six. And, you know, that's the defense that you end up needing. Um, I don't know, really chalky defense on a three game slate. It's not a situation I've really encountered much in my life, but in a really high variance position, again, you know, it's like goalkeeper in soccer. I'm willing to play an off the board one, even if Dallas is the best play, they should be the highest owns, but if I can get on a slightly different construction, you know, if it really, if it helps me get up to a key player, I'll be happily spending down for Seattle or Washington. And I don't know, Detroit Lions defense looks interesting too. $600 isn't that bad, but I mean, Love could have a horrible game rather easily. That's, I think, one of the spots where I could imagine, um, you know, another team getting a, a defensive touchdown, but maybe I'm just a pessimistic Packer fan. No, I think that's, no, I think that, of course, of course that could all happen. Um, one note about the Washington defense, maybe it relates to that game and maybe it relates to Dallas's passing game, but Emmanuel Forbes might, might miss. He is the commander's first round cornerback. Got to be their best defensive player remaining after Montez Sweat and Chase Young yeah. were traded. Uh, so I don't know, maybe... 
maybe you want to pay attention to that. If Washington's best corner is out, it's just another bump for CD in that passing game. Yeah, that's I, I you know, I revised my statement on Washington if they keep on suffering from um <laughs> from injuries. You're right. Um, we no, we've seen Dak struggle against just about anyone. Uh, you know, it it has been a different Dak lately. Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Which one are you going to get here? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Uh, we got a question in the chat about FanDuel. I actually looked at FanDuel. The pricing is pretty similar. So, like, the pricing dynamics, so you can kind of take these concepts. And, uh, you know, we talked about DraftKings pricing, but I think the reasoning will apply to FanDuel pretty well. Just focus more on touchdowns. And then uh, if you use the optimizer, I think the star is just what uh, is being flagged as like a high point per dollar plays. So those are players that you can play in all formats um, if you want to look at that. But Ryan, I think we've given this a, a very, very thorough breakdown. I don't know. I always like these smaller slates. It's fun to dissect all the angles and it's fun to have some cleaner leverage. So I don't know. I always get intimidated. Like 10 games is too much. Three games, I really like to dial in on all of the options. So any uh, final Yeah, words? that's actually, sorry. No, that's a, that's a good point. I was going to mention that at the start. These a slate like this, like a three-game slate, it's different than the ten or eleven-game slates. In that, for tournaments, you kind of want you want to script all the games out actually, and then build a lineup based on all those scripts. Like just the simple script that might be popular, like you know, passing spot for Dallas, so running spot for the Lions. Uh, blowout, blowouts where the Packers and Washington are going to be playing catch up, uh, and then whatever you think about, whatever you think about the the Niners Seahawks game. But yeah, so like, don't just you know click random lineups with players you think are going to do well or project well. You know, you make specific scenarios. Yeah, I agree with that. And if you're not playing a very chalky player, you know you can make you can play other options who benefit if that player doesn't do quite as right well, so. like what happens if that chalky player fails you know he's gonna fail because so-and-so is succeeding or so-and-so is also failing yeah you get all of that stuff yeah so all that stuff is worth keeping in mind but ryan we've been here over an hour so we're gonna wish you luck on behalf of both of us we wish you a very happy and safe thanksgiving if you enjoyed the show please give us a thumbs up on the youtube you can leave a rating and review five star we hope and positive review on the podcast feed and if you're not already a member you can join us uh use the link rotowire.com backslash pod it's a really good deal and there's a ton of stat resources i mean i'm pulling all of these target share stuff i'm pulling all of the injury reports right on rotowire it saves you much time and effort so i would highly recommend it but good luck everyone i hope you finish second place in the red zone and i finish first it should be a good day for everyone involved but see ya Thanks, Jack. Happy Thanksgiving.